mysticism and new age and occult and paganism. The best results I've ever got spiritually was literally praying to Jesus. That was the, the best result I've ever got in my life. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Truth Snack podcast, Truth Snack Journeys with Doubting Christians Toward Confident Faith. And so if you're currently doubting your faith, you're in the right place. Hopefully today's episode can be a little truth snack to help you along your way. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with my friend, John. John spent decades exploring new age and occult spirituality, and now he's a follower of Jesus. I think his story really illustrates what it looks like to be an adventurous truth seeker. Since September, we've been exploring the theme of encounter with God, and I think you'll quickly see why John's story connects with that theme. All right, let's get into it. So the word the occult means just secret knowledge passed on from generation to generation, not really meant for the uh, for the average person. Those you know seekers looking for truth, um, wanting to um, basically looking for enlightenment. And, and that's where I was basically at the time, you know, as, as uh, to get to your, your first question, um, you know, what led you to the new age spirituality? Um, I was a, raised a Christian and as a teenager, um, it really didn't do anything for me. And uh, it was considered the forbidden fruit. So taro, Wicca, uh, Ouija boards, um, uh, heck, uh, the Satanic Bible was actually one of the first books I ever, ever read. And, you know, those things were all really low hanging fruit. Like it's they're easy things to get into, or like you just go to the store and buy it. Like, what do you? Yeah, what do you mean by low-hanging fruit. Yeah, well, okay. I guess um, what was attractive was uh, things that are kind of spooky and scary. The Ouija board was spooky and scary. Um, tarot cards were spooky and scary, mm-hmm. kind of fringy. Went to a friend's house one time, and he had a copy of the Necromonicon. I don't know if you know what that is. Have you heard of that word? Um, no, I know Necro is, is it like Book of the Dead? Like, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, okay, Necro yes. is just, I think, dead or death or something. I yeah. don't know. So, so as a Christian, like as a Christian teen, right? That's like forbidden fruit. You're not supposed to go there. You're not supposed right. to look at it. My friend had a copy of the Necromonicon and the Satanic Bible on a shelf. So, I naturally, what is this? And started reading it. And wow, this is uh, fringe and edgy. Necromonicon is is not a real book. It's it's based on uh, the writer H.P. Lovecraft. That's part of his uh, mythos. And so, but as a teenager, I didn't know that. This is before Google. We're talking the 80s. So I just thought it was a cool, neat, scary book. I mean, it really just comes down to it. It's an evil book. It's just, it's all about summoning uh, um, uh, ancient elder gods that are bent on the destruction of mankind so it's just pure fiction which i did not know at the time right and uh, for me it was more of a thrill of forbidden low-hanging fruit like that's kind of the lowest book you can get in the shelf it's the easiest to pick up and without google you just assume that it's you know this ancient knowledge but a lot of the occult books that i read a lot of it's superstitious nonsense i mean i can attest to it i've been there i practice it but as i started reading more i realized well there's there's meditations um there's Meditations can help you, um, it, you know, basically there's uh, books to help improve your life, to, to make you a better person. And that's what really got me into it. And all of a sudden there's this idea of self-development. You can be a better person. There's this ancient wisdom that's been passed on through through generations. I guess the best example I can give you um, is the film The Matrix, where Neo, he's a neophyte. He's uh, on the beginning of a journey. He meets Morpheus. And what does Morpheus want or, or offer him? um escape enlightenment i suppose yeah like the reality he shows him a, a different level of reality yeah 
So uh, basically, uh, yeah, it's, it, and uh, the idea is um, to wake up. And uh, Morpheus is the idea of um, one of those great awakened masters. And that's what kind of the occult what drew me to it was the idea that you know maybe there's more to this life maybe we're living in an illusion i didn't realize down the road i'd find my morpheus in real life which should be jesus christ you know the the great awakened master um you know it's kind of a a loose comparison but you know that's what i was looking for and i think a lot of people were too and so there's basically what comes with that is all these spiritual exercises and, and ancient rituals um from like you know hundreds of years ago that are supposed to help develop you and improve your consciousness i think that that's like a human longing this this desire to be like to go on the journey to be transformed and then it like it says something to the human condition that we all have this feeling like we need to wake up from where we are into something that's more real something that's more alive i think everyone has that longing and you just went to the occult to satisfy that longing is that fair yeah no that's exactly right a lot of people i met on the path were wounded to some degree or another Right. Um, I think I've told you the story before. I don't know if your your viewers have heard it. Um, I went to an alchemy workshop and that on itself is pretty weird, like going to an actual place where a guy has an alchemy lab set up and there's people in, in a stadium watching this and wanting to learn about alchemy. But there's yeah. a lady a few rows <laughs> behind me. Yeah. And she had a German accent and she yelled out um, halfway, you know, through through the lecture. Is this the medicine that'll make me better? And, you know, it's a kind of a cringy moment and we're all looking and, uh, you know, not mm. sure what to do, but it was obvious she's hurting. This woman back there was, was, right. uh, had, you know, needed something and she's looking for the medicine that'll make her feel better. And a lot of people there are doing the exact same thing. I'd love to hear how it is you came to this place of becoming a follower of Jesus. So take me through that story. This is like my favorite part of my story, actually, because it's the, uh, the the point in my life where I had the uh, the most intense relationship with God um, during the height of, uh, I guess, my occult practice, I suppose. So at the time, uh, we're talking in the 90s now, uh, I was working in Montreal with a woman named Carmen Whitehouse. And I would love, if Carmen, if you're watching this, I would love to connect with you. I've lost your phone number. She was a Christian lady and I was working at her daycare. So she was running this daycare and uh, I was um, assisting the program. So I was very open about being pagan. I had a pentagram and, um, and I also had a very strong view of what Christians were, um, ignorant, um, uh, not open-minded, um, not very loving, uh, not very forgiving. I just had this really kind of a narrow view of what a Christian was. And I, I think that's part of, you know, the, the culture at the time, books I read, um, even the media and televangelists. I got to tell you, they they didn't help the scene at all. Well, that was what I learned. So um, Carmen's there and she's this, you know, uh, lady who uh, is basically has a, has a Wiccan or somebody who identifies as, you know, I guess what I call myself at the time was, you know, a pagan, I guess, um, uh, under that, that umbrella term. And so what is she going to do with this guy who's in a program? How is she going to deal with him? Well, she did what any good Christian would. She invited me to her house, had me over for dinner. I, I spent time with her son playing video games. Um, she took me to church. I went to my first church since I was a kid. It was a Baptist church. And I was really surprised at how progressive they were. They had drums, they had guitars. I'd never seen that before. And so I think Carmen had, had planted seeds, right? She she was a, a forgiving, kind, caring person who totally accepted me for who I was, which in retrospect, I did not appreciate. But I do now. I realize, wow, like what an amazing person. And she must have planted a seed because around that time, I had this born again moment. So pretty much at the, the height of my um, 
uh, my spiritual practices. Um, I also have an anxiety disorder, so I do get panic attacks and, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a gift of, uh, I have the gift of anxiety. So I was having a, a really bad panic attack and I broke down and prayed. Then I, I would never do that kind of thing. But I always prayed to the goddess. I always prayed. I like the the duality of, of God and, and goddess, the masculine and feminine. I really like the the king queen thing. Um, I love that symbolism, and uh, I really related to the to feminine aspect, and that was part of my spiritual journey. So praying to God was very weird, and praying to just a monotheistic God was very strange. I prayed to God like I was a kid. My heart opened up, and I felt tremendous love. It was an amazing experience. My first thought after this, like just breaking down and just sort of just uh, giving up and opening myself up to God and literally just like falling into his arms was, oh my God, I had a born again moment. I do not want to be a born again Christian. I literally thought, oh, what's what happened to me? I was really, really upset about that more than the transformative experience I just went through. It was tremendous. My rational brain took over and, and I decided that, you know, it wasn't a born again, it wasn't a born again moment, even though it still right. stuck with me. I think you said it was 23 years before you got baptized. So obviously 23 years is a long time, but how did that journey continue over those years? Yeah, my, my interest in the occult was definitely still there. I was starting to look at Christianity a little bit more and I was starting to think more about it. And honestly, one of the big catalysts for me was the film The Shack. And that really transformed me in a huge way. And uh, my heart opened up again. I'm like, oh my gosh. God is definitely here. Like there's definitely something happening, something moving here. And um, all these sort of doors started opening and pointing towards Christ. That film portrayed God in a way I'd never seen God before. It wasn't the God that I was used to as a kid. Uh, as a child, uh, God was an angry God. God was um, one who punished you. Um, you better not do anything wrong. And um, I was always on watch. And if I did something wrong, I felt really guilty all the time. And I didn't like that feeling. That wasn't a loving, kind God, but that's the God that I was raised with. That's what I thought uh, God was. Um, in the shack, I was presented with a unloving God, a God that loved you and cared for you, saw the big picture. Um, like in the book of Jonah, at the end, God's talking to Jonah and just like presenting this big picture of the world that we can't see. Um, and in the film, they just sort of portrayed the, the, this, this loving, kind God. And uh, that really changed how I viewed Christians and the idea of Jesus, like having this best friend, this brother that you can sit and talk with and hang out with and, and the healing that the main character went through. If this is Christianity, uh, please sign me up. Um, again, my heart was just, uh, I cry every time I see the film. I still do. Just that is the God I want in my life. And uh, that's the God I found. And um, that's not the God that I was raised with, but it's the one that's that's present and there in my life right now. Are these experiences weakening your commitment to this these occult practices? And uh, like, how is that affecting where you're at at that point? in like uh the like the occult community here's the big thing this is really i want to um make sure that i'm clear to your to your uh to your viewers you know if you went to go see um, a new age speaker you, you paid good money to go see a new age speaker um listen to somebody sit on a literally actually uh like a a, a night uh can't pronounce the word but you know like a throne and um wearing robes and uh you listen to them you know shoot words of wisdom you spend quite a few of your hard-earned money just to listen to them you walk away and what did I get for it? Um, you spend a lot of money on books, um, going to workshops, but you're not spending a lot of money when you go to church, right? You're not there. Um, you know, it's like a, a fee that you're paying. You're not there for the cult of personality. Um, I'm not there for, I mean, I like pastor Carrie and I like you when you get up and speak, but I'm not there for you. I'm there 
for God, I'm there for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different experience. Um, it, uh, it's not the cult of personality that the New Age path is. A New Age path is full of people that are um, sort of more or less selling themselves than the path, right? They're selling books. Um, they're selling their their audio tapes. They're selling their lectures. And um, you're basically buying the hope that it's going to make you feel better, the hope that um, you're going to become a better person. Well, church wasn't like that. I was very surprised that um, I can come a sloppy mess. And I love the idea of that. You can go as a sloppy mess um, and Jesus is going to love you regardless. Um, I had a hard time with the word sin, but I, you know, I finally wrapped my head around it. Um, but the uh, the idea that I can go and you know I've made mistakes and I can still be in love for those mistakes. And, um, you know, and the idea that here is a path that I can become a better person on. That's very appealing. And that's all the stuff I was looking for that I wasn't getting in any other path. Christianity all of a sudden um, offered this up and it wasn't through. Yeah, I mean, the Bible, yes, but it wasn't through books. It wasn't through pamphlets. It wasn't through things that I paid for. It wasn't through lectures or workshops. Um, it was just a sat in church. You prayed and your heart just filled. And it was an amazing experience, amazing feeling. To this day, it's still an amazing experience, an amazing feeling. My friend said, well, that's only because there's music. Um, there's people. You're getting wrapped, like, wrapped up in the excitement of the church. And I said, well, no, because I still get the feeling when I'm sitting out in the park. Uh, I still get the feeling when I pray at home. Um, God's still there. I never had that presence, uh, that, that sense of love and joy and happiness and a uh, sense of peace. Peace is huge. And um, I think that's what we're all looking for, right? The experiences that I'm talking about right now, I did not have in the new age or a cult path that was on. So mm. I just want to make sure that somebody's thinking, well, maybe he's got a chemical imbalance and he feels that way all the time. It's not, not even close. I never had those experiences. So I just want to make sure it's clear that when I became Christian, I didn't have those feelings uh, um, like, you know, there's some, you know, neat kind of moments. There's some neat synchronicities and coincidences that happen with people. Um, uh, but the, none of the ritual magic that I ever did um, really kind of uh, had that same experience that I had with, with Christ. So just want to make sure that's clear. Um, you know, it was a very, very different experience entirely. Um, I mean, it's so powerful to hear. In fact, you're probably discussing experiencing God in a lot of ways that tons of people, especially those who are doubting their faith, like desperately long for. So without realizing it, people might be listening and going like, oh, wow, what do you have? Because I want that. It's like even within Christianity, I think a lot of people don't get that that strong sense that you're talking about, John. And I don't know, I, I can't label every single person, but I would like to put on the table and suggest that I think it might be because a lot of people have this idea of God where you have to come, you have to perform, you have to be good enough, where God is angry and he's mad at you and he's not just gushing with unconditional love for you. And so it's like, it seems like your ability to understand those things and accept them is making you open to them. And yet, like a lot of Christians have a hard time experiencing that same thing. And I, I wonder if it's because so many people have a hard time not seeing a caricature of God rather than who God actually is. I have another question for you. When did you feel like you weren't resisting this journey anymore? And when you started like willingly walk on this journey with Jesus? I mean, the baptism is really what cemented it, but um it, it was a process of, I guess, the heart and the brain weren't quite connected, right? And so, you know, the heart felt amazing during church. My brain was like, well, yeah, but there's all these things that uh, I don't believe about Christianity. 
watching more videos on the historical idea of Jesus, you know, that um, he was a real person. Um, Cause I was still stuck. We've had this conversation before. I was really mm-hmm. hung up on, on Jesus was just a symbol. It was an idea of a dying and resurrected God. I was very hung up on it. I read the book by Timothy freak. Mm-hmm. Um, that would really kind of cement it for him. my friend bought into it as well. He totally believed it too. And it wasn't until my friend had mentioned that um, it's all been debunked. And I'm like, you can't, that's nah, not debunked. And this is before I started going to the church. So they told mm-hmm. me that this theory had been debunked and uh, he, he gave me the information and I read it and looked at it and he had become a Christian. And I didn't realize it at the time. Um, I, he was probably still in the closet. But that really changed my heart, too. All of a sudden, I realized, well, Jesus could have been a real person. That's huge. So, I mean, that was a sticking point for me. And once I discovered that, well, wait a second, this could be real. It's not just a symbol. um, Then my heart, my brain now is connecting to my heart. And I started having a logical understanding of Christianity uh, to match what my heart was feeling. And once they were congruent, um, going to church was uh, a much better experience. And that kind of, like, brought me home. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're saying. Cause I, it's really like actually something I've been thinking a lot about. There's this temptation to go this really intellectual side, like, Hey, there's a question or like, you know, what do you do with this difficult passage in the Bible? Or yeah. Like, does God exist? Is there like, you know, is there evidence and deductive arguments and like the intellectual side is really good. But what I love about the conversation I'm having with you today is that like you've had these intense experiential, emotional, like um, aspects of your faith that end up being an apologetic in themselves in the sense that they are a reason for you to continue on your journey with Jesus and to really be following Jesus. And so it's like, you're actually bringing these Correct me if I'm wrong, but what you just said was like, you know, the emotional was really good, but I needed to know that there was some intellectual side behind this too, where it's like, Jesus was a real person. What I'm reading in the Bible, like there's actually something historical behind it. And it's funny because a lot of people listening to to this interview might actually have the other thing where it's like, well, I've heard the apologetics about Jesus. And I've, I've heard about like, you know, the Bible hasn't been hopelessly corrupted and all that. But they might be seeking that other side where it's like, well, I want this like emotional experiential part of God where it's not just intellectual, but it's actually emotional. So what's like that happening in your story is beautiful and profound for every adventurous truth seeker, because like it has to be both of those things together. You're like, we're not meant to separate them, certainly with God, like we're meant to know him in this really rich, deep way that's neither like deficient by only being intellectual or by only being emotional. You, you mentioned earlier that your baptism was kind of this like solidifying moment. You didn't say past the point of no return, but maybe I'm calling it that. Like, was it this like point of no return where like, I'm now following Jesus? Like, why was that so significant to you? I do like the idea of symbols and I like the idea of rituals. So here is a ritual that you can do, um, you know, getting baptized and uh, getting baptized was um, a commitment to, to Jesus in front of a lot of people too. Like I can't mm-hmm. BS mm-hmm. the crowd. Um, so, you know, it's a chance to kind of, you know, um, but not only to them, but really to myself, it's a symbolic moment. So I really wanted the symbolism part of it. Um, I don't know if you heard of uh, Michael Heiser. I, I really, really connect with him as an author um, and as a podcaster. And, uh, 
he helps me, he helps break down some of the difficult parts of the Bible. He mm. said, you know, when you get baptized, and again, um, I could be, you know, stepping into murky waters here, mm-hmm. but you know, you're, uh, it's like you're dipping into the underworld and you're looking at shale and everything that's in shale and you're coming back out again. I can, I can be part of God's world. Um, you know, that's a neat little idea that sort of symbolism there, part of the Baptist mm-hmm. component. Um, so the baptism is just by itself though, um, with Jill, uh, my mentor being there with me and pastor Carrie, who I right. adore, um, it was just a, a neat symbolic moment in a way of like cementing, um, uh, my arrival and, uh, sort of making a commitment. So to answer your question, I, I like the symbolic part of it. And, uh, it was a nice little sort of a ritual to do, and maybe my last sort of official ritual magic that I can do, um, yeah, that's sort of genuine and has meaning and purpose behind it. A lot of Christians love God. They want to know God desperately, but they feel like they don't know how to hear from God. How do you hear from God? Because it sounds like you've had some experiences in your life when you really heard from God in some special ways. When I talk about hearing from God, it really feels like your heart is full. Um, it feels like sometimes Jesus is right there with me. In fact, I have a little exercise that I do, and maybe some people can, can try this. When I'm uh, out enjoying the trees, um, I'll just sort of invite God into that space with me, enjoy the trees with me, um, and look through them through my eyes. And I feel God's presence there. Um, I invite Jesus to, to walk with me or to experience something simple like petting my cat and like how wonderful it feels and how much I love my cat. And um, when I'm at church, um, it's really a sense that uh, you're just, your body is full of love and it's a tremendous experience. Yeah, there's a great sense of peace. I'll I'll give you an example. 2020 was a very rough year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to uh, have a pity party for me, but my father passed away. My aunt passed away. My cat passed away. And my best friend passed away in 2020. Mm -hmm. It was a really rough year. And, you know, I, I, by all accounts, I should have broken down, been more upset than I was. God's peace was with me the whole time. It made the process so much easier. I, I think if uh, that had happened before I got baptized, it would be a very hard year. I might have been very despondent, depressed, angry, perhaps. Um, it was very challenging. There's a lot of work to do. Not a lot of people around to help during 2020, during that process. Um, so, you know, we had to be apart from each other. But God was definitely not apart from me. God was there. My wife was with me. And uh, it made the experience a lot easier. So those difficult times, those challenges, um, yeah, God's there and it makes it a lot easier. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah. that's how I feel. You're talking mm. about experiencing God in a very, like, it's very simple, but it's very real that it's like, I'm looking at a beautiful tree and I'm like, I'm saying, Hey God, like, let's enjoy this tree together. And you feel God's presence like that. That is just beautiful and simple, but yet so different from how many Christians who are struggling with their faith are trying to connect with God. They're trying, it's, it's almost more coercive. Like I'm trying to get God to talk to me in some way rather than reflecting God, which is just inviting God into these instances with us. So that's, that's pretty incredible. I I think we spend so much time sort of, um, divorce from God, we're distracted constantly, right? I mean, drugs, alcohol, um, video games, um, entertainment, there's so many things we do and we're missing out the moment and moments matter. They're really important. Like I mentioned when I got baptized, I had that baptism 
baptism buzz and just everything was so beautiful. Um, so I just invite God, like enjoy the tree with me. And it's a really simple little moment. And God wants to experience our love. He wants to experience um, the things, uh, our love or happiness. He wants to be there with us. And um, if we think of God as being really far above us and something that's unattainable or that Jewish word that I use, ain soft, you know, the unknowable, um, we're never going to be with God. So invite him into the space with you. You know, it's not really inviting him into the space. Just, I think God's already there. Right. You've just got to take a moment to open up and be with God. And uh, I think the better question is not how do I connect with God? How do I let go of my barriers? Um, let go of my ego to make space for God to come into my life. And that's what was transformative for me um, coming to Sunnyside was making space for God, letting go of my ego. And that's not easy to do. You know, that is hard, right? Letting go of uh, your traumas, your fears, um, then uh, right. and then when that's making space for God to come in. So that could be the answer right there. Right. It's almost like because it's like letting go of your fears and traumas is so hard. I mean, like in a sense, God doesn't want you to just like ignore them or bury them. He wants he wants you. And this is maybe where what we're getting at. The hardest part is being willing to open that part up to God and trust that he's not going to trample on your hurt heart, but actually care for it and help it heal. Yeah. So that's pretty. Um, yeah. Like it's just a different way of thinking about connecting with God. Well, another um, good word is, is being vulnerable, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. We, we do have our guards up quite a bit. And for me, right. that was part of my process was allowing myself to be vulnerable, literally, um, you know, in difficult moments to fall into his arms. I know it's a, mm -hmm. it's a symbolic thing. Maybe it's a, maybe right. it's a difficult visual, but literally um, mm -hmm. just fall back and trust that God will take you through this moment. Right. Uh, and that's worked for me. And that's, that's how I've experienced God. And that's how I'm experiencing the Bible. And this is what's transformed my life. Um, you know, that 50, two years old, right. And all the years previous, I didn't have any of those experiences. There was no, um, there was vague hints of it, but yeah, and nothing like I'm having right now. Hey, it's Matt again. I'm just checking in real quick before we continue this interview to say that what I've been doing on the podcast lately is releasing these interviews and conversations I've had in the past, but in a few episodes, I'm going to get to the end of the backlog that I have on my external hard drive. And after that, who knows what we might do next? So I'd love to hear what you think. Email me at matt at truthsnack.ca to let me know the kind of long form content you'd like to see here. Okay, back to the interview. How does it feel now having been at some points kind of having this really negative perception of church and Christians and the Bible and even words like sin. How are you handling now using that label in some level, calling yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus? Does it feel hard to accept? It does a little bit. I, I'll give you an example. One time I was, I uh, went to a doctor's office and I, I wore my, my pentagram. I wore it all the time, really. And, um, and the, the doctor was Christian and uh, kind of instead of like, seeing if I was okay with the flu that I was going through, like being sick and looking for medicine, um, more or less uh, criticizing me for, for the pinnacle I was wearing. I'm like, I'm just, like I said, I'm just here to be healed. I don't want to be judged. Uh, I don't want to, uh, I'm not here for that reason. And um, right. so when I think of, you know, the term Christian, I'm okay with it, but I'm, I'm a little worried about other people think. So I'm a little cautious, right? Cause there, mm. if I had some of the thoughts about Christians um, and, you know, my sort of worldview, other people do too. Um, I do have friends that are definitely not Christian. They're atheists. And uh, I haven't come out of the closet to them. 
But, you know, if I was to say that I was Christian, not quite, I had a bad reaction with one of my friends. Um, he assumed all the same things I assumed. Um, assumed I was going to lecture him. I was going to try and convert him. Um, assumed that I was brainwashed. Um, and here's the other thing about becoming a Christian. If you're on the fence and you're watching this and you think going to church is going to brainwash you, <laughs> there's nobody brainwashing you there. I got to tell you, um, uh, there's nobody there uh, preaching. There's nobody there. Sorry. Well, the, the pastor is preaching. There, there's nobody there. There's, there's uh, trying to convert pre- you. There's some preaching. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nobody there trying to convert you. It was, it was all. It was all done on my own. I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't there for like all the, all the perks of being a Christian. There wasn't a free toaster at the end of the day. I wasn't there for that reason. Um, so I, I think my friends just assume that uh, you know you're, you're brainwashed. Um, you're part of a cult. Um, those are all things that the baggage that comes with the word Christian. And you had mentioned like that would make you a confident Christian. Well, telling people I'm a Christian, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Sometimes mm. uh, it's getting there. I'm talking to you right now is really putting me out there in the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I I appreciate you doing that. And um, I mean, I will just say like as someone who's been a, a Christian leader, maybe the best way to say it is churches that are being like Jesus are not brainwashing you, are not stressing you and pushing you and coercing you to being and doing and believing. Um, sadly, I think also that that can happen, but it sounds like I think your your journey and your story is a great illustration for the love and acceptance and incredible patience of Jesus that, you know, your journey is like 24, 25 years of you slowly journeying towards Jesus and then journeying with him. And so like, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I love that your experience with church was that, you know, even though there was literally preaching, it wasn't like you were being (laughs) preached at, um, you know, that if you like, didn't completely accept everything all at once, you, you had to be rejected. So that's, that's actually like beautiful. I think that reflects the heart of God. One thing I was surprised when I was reading the Bible, um, understanding Christian culture, Christianity as a whole, that there were a lot of things that I'd read in other faiths or other spiritual books and beliefs that were in the Bible. And like, there is like a lot of crossover. Um, I think anyone really on a spiritual journey, there is going to be some parallels for sure. And there's definitely parallels and a little bit in Buddhism, a little bit in Taoism. Um, some of the, uh, you know, the past that have more wisdom in them and a little bit older for sure. And, um, again, they open the door to kind of lead me to where I am right now. So um, I have a lot of respect for, for people um, on, on different paths that they're on a journey as well. And there's um, I think God is basically trying to touch all of our hearts and maybe you're on a different path. I was on a different path and God touched my heart. You might be a Taoist and God has touched your heart. Uh, You may be a Muslim and uh, you may be um, uh, practicing Zen Buddhism or a Buddhist and God has touched your heart. So I, I, uh, those bit of wisdom, this, the kind of transfer over to where I am right now. And also I think vice versa, the wisdom in the Bible is, is uh, reflected in other paths a little bit. I think there's kernels of truth, spiritual truths everywhere. Yeah. I think a lot of Christians would hear that. And, and then like, I can almost hear the hearts of those people go in. Well, then why be a Christian, John? Like um, why not just be, you know, John's religion. And he's picked up kernels of truth from everywhere. Like why then, follow Jesus, like for you as a personal question, like if, mm-hmm. if there's kernels of truth everywhere, why not continue just going around picking up the kernels everywhere? Like why have you settled on following Jesus? Yeah. Well, the, uh, I think Christianity has a, a greater package deal. If that's a, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a greater package deal for sure. I, I can take kernels of wisdom. 
but I, I'd rather hold a whole box of popcorn. So I'm getting the whole box of popcorn versus a little bit here and there. So you find that in Jesus? Yes, yeah. definitely. Like, yeah, I mean, that's such a great, like, <laughs> great way of saying it. Like, I don't want the kernels. I want, I want the full meal deal is what you're saying. You want yeah, the full yeah, meal definitely. deal and you're, and you're finding. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that's a great answer that like you're finding. Well, I mean, yeah, no, go ahead. I mean, the symbolism of, of, uh, of the meal of, of uh, that will be fed and uh, our thirst will be quenched. I, I really get that. You know, it's, it's a nice symbolism, but I really get the sense that um, I'm being full and uh, I'm not thirsty anymore. And so my, my quest for knowledge, my quest for wisdom is fulfilled in Christianity where it wasn't before. I was hungry and thirsty quite a bit, walking through a desert, uh, many deserts, and um, all the deserts had different colors and flavors to them. But um, this is no longer a desert. It's lush and green, and there's a lot of nice people in it. Um, so it's it's definitely a good experience. To the Christians who go like, tarot cards, pentagrams, Ouija boards, um, and like, and, and, and like the book of the dead, like the satanic Bible, all these things are doorways to something that could be really harmful to you because it's opening up to yourself, to enemies of Jesus. Like, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with it? What do you think? Well, I, I do agree um, to a large extent. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a Christian right now. I wouldn't have. Uh, but I, I don't see the path um, that I was on is really that scary. I didn't have the experiences that some people might have talked about. I, I mean, I never had a, a scary encounter. Um, nothing uh, really dramatically spiritual happened for good or bad. Um, I just what I found was um, I was basically sort of um, unwrapping the wrapping paper around the, the, these these weird things and realizing that there's really not much to it. Um, like I said, the Satanic Bible is written by some dude who was just dissatisfied with life, dissatisfied with church, and wrote some words that, you know, people probably half-heartedly believed in. Um, there is, there are um, some real Satanic worshipers out there. Um, the Temple of Set, I mean, that's pretty hardcore. That's a different story. I don't really know much about them. Um, like the Necromonicon was a scary, but it's a, it's a work of fiction. The Ouija board. Um, I, I do believe that you're opening yourself up to spirits and demons. I just haven't experienced them. The one thing I, I really want to just um, let viewers know that I spent a lot of time in these other paths exploring them. And um, I got to say, there wasn't a lot of value in them. And, and really, I just want to make sure that I'm not, um, even though I speak positive of, of some of the experiences I had, and like you say, it is a journey, right? We all have our journeys. And sometimes you might have to um, to leave the house for a bit and go and discover things where you come back to the father. And that was my case. Um, I don't want to make it sound like a, a glamorous experience in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I didn't uh, make it sound to be as scary as some people might think it is. Um, I don't want anybody watching this and think, well, maybe it is a path I can go check out. Um, really, just there's not a lot of substance to it. It, it. It's a bit of a false path in a lot of ways. And um, people who have been on occult paths, usually they talk about the same thing when they become Christian. Um, I think uh, Doreen Virtue is sort of famous for being a new age guru and then becoming Christian. And she's very much, you know, um, against the path that she was on and uh, feels badly for a lot of the books she read and uh, misleading people. So I don't want anybody watching this to feel like, oh, well, maybe I can check this out, dip my toes in the water and see what it's like. I really am here to say, no, don't do not do it. Um, basically, the, um, the occult path um, wasn't very fulfilling. Um, and Jesus, Jesus is fulfilling. That's basically what it comes down to. Thanks for listening to the Truth Snack Podcast. If this episode was helpful for you, would you consider sharing it with someone else that you think it would bless? Thanks so much. See you next time.